everybody. How are we doing? Hey, if we've never met before, my name's Steve. Hi, uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And like Kurt said, this is week two of a brand new series called The Good Stuff. Now, we launched this after Easter and what... I mean, Easter's the best stuff, you know what I mean? So we celebrated the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we get from that, the best stuff, is we get forgiveness of sins, right relationship with God, salvation, right eternity in heaven with God. And there, there's a, amazing, it's wonderful, it's worth having a, a full day set aside and celebrating that. But the story doesn't end there. They, it keeps going. There's more that the Bible is going to tell us, and we're going to unpack that as well. And a lot of us think, I think we can all fall into this trap where... We tend to think that all the good stuff is really what Jesus does for us. Like I said, the forgiveness of sins, you get eternity in heaven with him, and that's great. But the good stuff also includes the things that you and I do for other people. It's the, the good stuff includes the things that God has asked us to do that we do for other people, right? Um, so you, you can put it this way. We receive good things from God, great things, the best things from God, but we also give the best things to other people. And what's so good about God and his goodness and his love for us is that while we are giving and loving and doing good things for other people, good things are happening to us as well because he's just that good of a God. And so this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to look at one of those things, not that Jesus does for us, but what he has asked us to do for others. So if you got a Bible, we're just going to jump straight in. If you have a Bible, open up to the book of Matthew chapter 28. We're just going to dive right in. If you've been around church for a while, you're probably familiar with this passage. If you're brand new and you're kind of kicking the tires and all of that, and maybe Easter was your first Sunday, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do now that I've put my faith in Jesus? If you've ever asked that question, we're going to find out right now. This is going to be the answer to that question. What do you do after you've entered into a relationship with Jesus? What, what is a Christian to do? So here we go. Let me, let me set the scene. Uh, again, Matthew 28, right? If you don't know where that is in your Bible, go to the, my favorite page, the table of contents, and it'll tell you where to go. It's a very helpful tool. And Matthew 28, it's at the very end. It's the first book in the New Testament. But here, here's what happens. Um, like I said, we celebrated Easter. Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. And pulled it off, which, by the way, if you can do that, um, we would listen to what you had to say. So this is exactly the case that has happened. Jesus has pulled off Easter, and he's speaking with the Marys in a small group of women. And he says, go tell the disciples to meet me on the mountaintop in Galilee. Now, we don't know the exact coordinates and what mountaintop it was, but nonetheless, the disciples knew, and the women told them. So the disciples leave Jerusalem. They travel up north. They're in Galilee. Jesus meets them on this mountaintop, and here's where our story picks up. So here we go, Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Remember, Judas betrayed Jesus. He wasn't invited to the after party here. Uh, They went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but, but what? Help me out. But some doubted. Now, I need you, we're going to come back to this because this is incredibly important. But I need you to underline, circle, highlight, whatever you got to do, some doubted. Because we're going to talk about this idea of worship, and some people doubted. This is huge. So just just underline it, maybe put a little bookmark in there. We're going to jump back to it. So here we go, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, not some, but all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations. 
I think this is hilarious. <laughs> and here's why. Get the picture. You're on the mountaintop. You've worshipped Jesus. Some of you are doubting. And Jesus says, all authority on earth and in heaven, it's mine. I have it. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And I imagine Peter would go, um, Jesus, quick question. If you've got all authority, wouldn't it be more effective if you did it? After all, you're going to entrust me. Uh, I did deny you three times just a while ago, a couple chapters back. Uh, I did that whole walking on water thing with you, but then blah, 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 I, I sank. So you, you can trust me kind of, but not really, you know. Like, wouldn't it be more effective if you do it? And here's what I find so fascinating about Jesus. It's, it, he entrusts us with this precious message, this, this responsibility. And listen, anytime Jesus commands us, teaches, instructs us to do something, it is for our good and the good of others. Jesus will never have us do something that will harm us or harm other people. Why? Because that's not loving. Right? I mean, this is very rational thought here. But, but listen, it's good for you and I to go and make disciples. If it was better that Jesus would do it, he would go do it. When what I find so fascinating about, about this is the amount of faith that Jesus puts in, in, in us, in humanity. Let alone the three dudes that were traveling with him. I mean, listen, Jesus shows up on the mountaintop. They worship and some people doubted. Like, what more proof do you need? And yet they still doubted. And Jesus goes... We're going to go and make disciples of all nations. Fascinating. So this word go and make, we're going to talk about these for a second. Go simply means as you go throughout your day, as you go to the store, the golf course, the restaurants, when you're in the drive-thru, getting a cup of coffee, when you're at home making dinner, when you're putting the kids to bed, when you're on the phone, whatever you are doing, as you go and bump into people, be making disciples. And make is not a one-time thing. This is an ongoing process. It's not just a like one and done, boop, did it, check that off the list, good to go. This is an ongoing process. So as you and I go throughout our day, we're to be making disciples. With me so far? Okay, this is real important. This is good. So number one in your notes, followers of Jesus are commanded to make disciples. It's a command. And it's for our good. Now, disciple is, is it's a big church word, but basically it, it, it means you're, you become an apprentice. Or a student. Uh, think of, think of uh, those old movies where you have the blacksmith and the young apprentice, right? They're, the blacksmith, the master teacher is teaching the student, the apprentice, how to make the axe or, or the sword or whatever your weapon of choice is, right? So you do it this way. You got to heat it up. You have to pound it out. You have to do all of these things, right? And it needs to look this way. The master is teaching the apprentice how to make the weapon as if the master was making it. We don't have a whole lot of blacksmiths in the house, do we? Didn't think so. Uh, maybe this will help. Um, Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi is the Jedi Master. Luke Skywalker is the apprentice. Luke Skywalker is learning to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Are you with me? Obi-Wan is Jesus. We are Luke Skywalker. Or Jesus is... I got lost in my own example. <laughs> Luke Skywalker needs to go and find other people to make them Jedi Masters. You and I need to go find other people and make them like Jesus. This is the whole process. Jesus is the master teacher. We are the apprentice. We are to become like him. We are, listen, we are to learn how to live life like Jesus would live it if he was living our life. That's what that means. Jesus will teach us all these things. He will teach us how to do this. How frustrating if Jesus just says, well, figure it out. I want you to love everybody. Everybody? Yes, love everybody. Well, how? Uh, That's for you to figure out. That's not loving. Jesus wants 
he wants to help us. He wants to show us. He wants to guide us. He wants to fill in the details of how we do that. We just have to position ourselves in a way where we can hear, where we can receive and understand what he would have us do. So listen, it, it's so much more um, detailed and, and personal and intimate than what would Jesus do. It's what would Jesus do in your life? What, how would Jesus treat your spouse? Which is very different than someone uh, is going to learn how to treat their spouse. Why? Because they're different people. How, it's not just what would Jesus do with money. It's what would Jesus do if he had your bank account and your finances. How would Jesus, if, if you're retired, how would Jesus live your retirement? Do, do you understand? Like, I mean, it's so personal, so intimate. He's like, look, I, I will help you do these things. I'm going to teach you how to get the most out of this life. Why? Because I love you. I created it. I ought to know. And so we position ourselves as the student, as the apprentice, and we hear from Jesus. We receive the teachings, the guidance, the wisdom, the empowerment to go and live our life like he would live it if he was living our life. And friends, I'm telling you, this changes everything. This is so helpful. It's so helpful. So you have to ask yourself the question, okay, if I'm the apprentice and Jesus is the teacher... How does he teach me? <laughs> and what am I supposed to do with this, right? How does he teach me and, and what am I going to learn? I mean, really. So keep your, keep your finger or bookmark, whatever, in Matthew. I'm going to jump over to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to read a couple verses there. Listen, how does he teach us and what do we learn from Jesus? How does this whole thing work? This will explain it. This is Jesus talking again. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't bear fruit. Okay, if I'm connected, I bear fruit. If I'm not connected, I don't bear fruit. So far, so good. Verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and they're thrown to the fire and burned. This, this isn't a reference to hell. It's just when you prune a bush and things fall on the ground, do you just leave them there? No, you gather them up, burn them, they disintegrate, they're gone. What, same, he's saying, look, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're, you're, not, you're not loving people, you're not loving God, you're not loving your neighbor, like what, what's the point? That is the point of being the Christian. If, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you're not learning anything, what's the point in being a disciple? It's, it's useless. A branch, a limb, a tree that doesn't bear fruit, it's like, why, why have it? You see where he's going with this, right? I mean, this is really, it's foundational. This is simple stuff. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish, and it's going to be done for you. Why? Because when we remain connected to Jesus, this intimate relationship with Jesus that we talk about, when we do this, our desires, our thoughts, our wants are no longer selfish. They're Jesus's. Because, listen, when you and I become selfish, that's actually damaging to us, and it hurts other people. So we don't ask for our own agenda when we're in a tight relationship with Jesus. We ask for God's agenda. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These become the desires of our heart. And so we ask these things, and of course he gives them to us. Why? Because it's good for us, and it's good for other people. And then verse 8, listen to this. Uh, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my, what? disciples. So listen, you you get the idea. If you're a student from Jesus, Jesus will teach you how to bear fruit. You're like, fruit sounds good. It's almost lunchtime. (laughs) You got to ask yourself the question. Okay. What type of fruit? Glad you asked. Great question. Let me show you Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23. Don't flip there. I'll read it for you. 
But the fruit of the Spirit, and here we go, is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling you and I, if you remain in me, if you are connected with me, I will teach you how to live this life of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Friends, I'm telling you, the American dream has nothing, has nothing on the fruit of the Spirit. I, I promise you the good life is that. That's what everyone wants. I promise you. We all want that. And the deepest longing of our soul is to live a life of love, full of joy, full of peace. Yes. Now, I like nice stuff. I like cool things and great experiences. And if you give me a hundred bucks, I'll take it. You know what I mean? But listen, if this compared to a life of the fruit of the spirit, I'm telling you, there is no hesitation on my part and there's no hesitation on your part. And when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's not just saying, teach people to believe in intellectual truth that I died and rose again for their sins so they could spend eternity with me in heaven. That is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is I died not so you could get information, but so you could have transformation so you could learn to live this type of life. And I'm telling you, that's good news. That's worth getting up in the morning. And if you don't want this, I promise you, the loved ones, the people that are closest to you, they want this from you. So if you don't want to do it for yourself, that's fine. But do it for the people you love most. I'm telling you, this is good. Really, really good news. So he's saying, if you stay connected to me, I will teach you how to live this life. Amazing. Amazing. This is why I always say, look, at, at North County, look, we're not about making converts. We're about making disciples. And I, I define converts as someone who has prayed a prayer and given their soul to Jesus. They've put their trust, their hope, their faith in Jesus Christ. A disciple has done that and is learning and is having their life transformed over and over and over again. They're learning how to live it like Jesus would if Jesus lived their life. And I don't know about you, but I could use a little help along the way. Okay, back to Matthew chapter 28. Verse 19, right? Go make disciples of all the nations. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism, it's, it's uh, immersion. Think, think, get the mental picture of a ship, a sinking ship just going down. I, I want you, it's, it's identifying with the death and the resurrection, the death of, to this old life and being raised in a new life with Jesus. This is what baptism is. And friends, if you're an adult, a kid, a teenager, or somewhere in between any of those things, and you've never been baptized... I've got great news. You don't even have to pray about it. Should I, Lord? Should I not? No, it's a commandment. Just go do it. You don't even have to pray about it. And if you don't know, if you're like, where do I begin? How do I do this thing? I've been following Jesus for a while. I've just never done this. Go to a website, click on the connect card, and we'll get you dumped. It's just, it's a part of the discipleship process. So let's go do it. If you haven't been, what are you waiting for? It's a command. You just do it. Because, listen, listen. He wouldn't, he wouldn't command us to do things that were not good for us or for other people. Baptism is good for you. Baptism is amazing for the church. Because, because we remember, those of us who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, and when we watch someone who's new to the faith, to following Jesus, get dunked, do, do you know what that does for our soul? We remember that. We remember what life was like. And that transformation that occurred. Oh, it's so, it's so good. It's so good. So number two, baptism is a part of the discipleship process. 
Let's keep going. Verse 20. So after, you know, make disciples of all nations, get them dunked. Verse 20. And teach them, teach them what? Help me out. To obey. To obey what? Now, obey simply means do, put into action, act as if it were true. Everything is a really interesting Greek word when you get in there and you parse it out and you peel it apart. You know what it means? Everything. It just, it, it means everything. Now, Jesus said a lot. There's some really good stuff in what Jesus has said. And if you're thinking, man, this is going to take a lifetime, you're right. Man, what, what a beautiful thing to dedicate your life to. And teaching them to obey, not just a couple things, not just our favorite things, the things that make us feel warm and fuzzy, but even the challenging things, the convicting things, the areas where we go, ooh, I don't like that, and that's going to make me feel, ugh, I'm going to be real uncomfortable. Even, even those things. So number three, disciples follow through on what they've learned. James, the brother of Jesus. <laughs> what would your brother have to do for you to be convinced that he was Jesus? <laughs> King of kings and Lord and lords, you're like, ah, hmm. He wrote this. He said, don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers. There's a difference between knowing the right thing and doing the right thing. Disciples, we... Our students, their apprentices, Jesus is teaching us not just what to do. He's not filling us with information only. But he will teach us how to play play this out, how to put this in action. If you've grown up in church, you've heard the phrase, man, you need to pray for your enemies. You need to forgive people. You need to love them. That's great. I've got this up here. But this thing inside of me, this is what makes it difficult. But it's great news because Jesus will teach us how to do this. And he is incredibly patient. Incredibly patient. Uh, growing up, this may be semantics, but um, I, I was growing up in the church, and, and we would sign up for things called discipleship classes. Uh, discipleship 101, or maybe we would walk through like a book of the Bible. And, and that was great, but kind of what I learned from that was I, I got a head full of, of information, but we didn't always follow through on the information. Are you with me? Listen, spiritual maturity, the mark of a spiritually mature person is not the amount of biblical knowledge they have. It's marked by obedience. Well, that's really good. That's helpful for a couple people. Listen, the mark of a spiritually mature follower of Jesus Christ is not the amount of Bible they have had memorized or they can quote. Listen, what good does it for anybody if you can quote chapter and verse, you know the Hebrew, you know the Greek, but you're a jerk? Are you with me? Like you've missed the point. Like all of it. I won't go into that. Okay. <laughs> should I? Should I not? Should I? Should I not? So uh, let me just, I'll, I'll just wrap it up nicely this way. Um, Bob Goff has a great quote. He, he's an author and a, just a funny guy. Um, he simply says this, we need less Bible study and more Bible doing. Quick sidebar, please don't email me. I love the Bible. I think everyone needs to study it. We need smart Christians who know their Bible well. Okay. I went to seminary, spent way too much time, way too much money, like investing in this. So I value this. We have Bible studies all the time. You need to join them. You need to know what's in your Bible, but not so you can gather information so you can experience transformation. Okay. It's super, super important. Okay. So let's go back to the whole thing. The very, very beginning. I'll walk us through real quick. Here we go. Verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him. There's our word. They worshipped him, but some doubted. This word worship is fascinating. It's that Peter didn't just like pull out the acoustic guitar and go, all right, here we go. How great. No, no, no. The word paints the picture of dropping to one's knees and kissing the palms, the hands of Jesus. Get, get that picture for a moment. When I was saying this blew my mind because what's the very next thing? Some doubted. Again, what more proof do you need? Are you kidding me? If I was there and I saw, I saw the hands and we're here and we're doing it with the thing, the scar, like the whole experience. I'm good, man. I'm set for life. But not just one. Some. Some people doubted. And yet. And yet. Jesus said to the group, including the doubters, go and make disciples. Yeah. Do you know what I get from that? If you doubt, if you're insecure if you kind of understand this thing, but you have a lot of questions that are unanswered, Jesus wants you to go and make disciples. I've got great news for you. You are horribly ill-equipped to make disciples. I am too. And Jesus, in his infinite wisdom and love for us and, and his creation, simply says, you can do this. Even those of you who doubt, you can do this. Well, I don't, I don't know the four spiritual laws. I can't memorize scripture. I don't like reading. I, yeah, that's the point. You know how many other people don't know the four spiritual laws? They've never read their Bible. He's like, go get them. I love this. Have you ever had an experience? Look, listen, I'm a pastor and I get anxious in my boots when I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, Hey, I really think we should do it. Nah, I'm good. Oof, that hurts. And Jesus goes, no, 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 like you can do, you can do this. Yeah, but God, I doubt you. I know you do, but you can do this. Listen, I'm not asking you to make somebody perfect. I'm asking you to give them information that will lead to transformation. And by the way, Steve, you're going to learn something along the way as well. That's so good. It's so good. And some doubt it. And you know the story. They're all there, right? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Friends, you and I, we can do this. I know sometimes you get hesitant because we don't want to be rejected. I get it. I get it. But it is for our benefit and the benefit of others that we go and make disciples. And here's the kicker. It's a little bonus, right? This passage ends with this. And surely I'm with you always. To the very end of the age. Here's your bonus on your notes. The spirit of Jesus is with you every step of the way. Every step. Always. He's never not with you in this process. That's really good news. So, zooming back out. 30,000 foot view over this whole passage. If we are apprentices. If we are students of the master teacher of Jesus begs the question, what's he teaching you? What's he teaching you? What are you learning from Jesus? I I like to use the fruit of the spirit as a grid. So I I just want to walk you through this real quick. What's he teaching you? If we use the first, the first one on that list, right? Love. Can you think of any circumstances where you might need to learn how to apply unconditional love to any situation in your life? He'll teach us. 
He'll show us how. Joy. Man, one of the lessons I've learned is, um, man, being critical can just rob you of joy, can't it? Steve, maybe you don't have to be so critical. Yeah, it's okay to smile. Peace. Jesus will teach us how to be peace. Man, when you walk into a room, what do people experience? Do they, do they get real tense and kind of sit? Or do they feel comfortable? Do they feel at peace when you enter the room? And if you don't know, go ask someone. But, but Jesus will teach us how to do this. This is, this is great news. Patience. Can you think of any relationships where you need to be patient in? Any parents raising like preschoolers, kindergartners? Jesus was <laughs> teenagers. <laughs> he, he's going to teach us how to do this. And the next one I think is totally related to it. Kindness, right? I mean, patience and kindness. It'd be great if both those things met together. Goodness. Maybe Jesus wants, wants to teach us how to be good to all people all the time, regardless of if we agree or disagree. He, he'll teach us to become those people. Gentleness. Those of us with more um, aggressive or dominating personalities. There's a time for that where that's very helpful. But, um, you know, we could learn a little bit of gentleness. And then this last one, um, anyone need just to learn how to have some self-control? Anyone ever been on a diet and failed? Okay, fantastic. We could all grow in that area, couldn't we? Listen, becoming a follower of Jesus, becoming a disciple... It's, it's not so much about living this perfect, sinless life. It, it is about learning and being in a process of growing. So what we did, um, I have a meeting on Tuesdays, and I only have it when I, when I preach. And it's, it's called the Sermon Social because we, we're social and we talk about the sermon. That's, it's not a creative name, but it, it, it's describes what we do. Uh, I basically show up in a room. There's anywhere from, I don't know, five to eight of us or whatever. And I give them the rough draft of the sermon. And we just kind of walk through it a little bit. And then we poke holes in it. We say, hey, this is really good. Steve, don't you dare say that. That's horrible and not helpful. Uh, and everything in between, you know, <laughs> try to pay the dumb tax up front before you do it on the platform. So uh, we walked through it and, and we ended it the last 20 minutes of that meeting just by asking the question. And we just went around the room, said, what, what's Jesus teaching you? And it was, it was so cool. I, I want to share what, what we said. I'm not going to give names, obviously, but um, I, I want to share some of the things that, that Jesus has been teaching us. Um, patience was the thing that came up with our, with our kids and with our spouses. Even patience in our spiritual growth were not quite where we wanted to be. And, and that's okay. Jesus loves us. He's very patient with us. Some of us have developed years and years and years of these bad habits. It, it's going to take a, a minute for us to break those and replace them with good ones. And, and, and that's okay. Some of us are just trying to learn the lesson and, and understand and trusting God with our finances. How are we going to pay for college? What's college even look like? God, I, I want to give. It's on my heart to give. I want to be a generous giver. Um, but if I give here, I, I realize that I, I, I don't have money over here. So I, I'm learning. I'm learning how to trust Maybe I can't give that full amount, but, I, but I'm learning to give what I can and then add to it. This was a big one that came up, just learning to trust God with the future. COVID has changed, changed our world. I don't think we're going back to normal. We might. My opinion is, is we're not. Things have changed. And some people, their lives have been drastically, drastically altered because of COVID. Some people, it, it's been, I'll say, easier. 
But nonetheless, there has been this pivot. There has been this shift. What, what's school going to look, look like long-term? What are the long-term impacts? Not, not just the education in, information. Do a Google search and you can find that. You'll figure out how to do new math. But, but socially, we miss out on that classroom environment. What, what's that going to do to my kids? They're young, but 10 years down the road. People who have COVID, some of them have gotten over it and minimal or, or no side effects. Other people, their respiratory issues are, are been messed up. Jesus, how, teach me to trust you that you are in this, that you are good, that we are going to get through this, that life will still be good on the outside once we exit this. And what I loved about this is as we're going around and just sharing, everyone was sharing their experiences. It it was so great because we all identified with it. Some of us, we went, yes, I'm in the middle of that exact lesson. Others of us in the room, they're like, oh man, I learned that four years ago and I have not forgotten it because it has changed my life. Other people are sitting there going, oh man, I didn't even think of that. Okay, whoa, I got to process that. But, but you know what we did in that room in that 20 minutes? We discipled one another. That's it. We just asked the question, what's Jesus teaching you? And all of us are sitting there going, oh man, I, I remember that. I, yeah, absolutely. That's a lesson I'll never forget. Other people are going, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. I, I need to explore that more. Will you, will you help me in this process? And, and everything in between. And, and you know what? I, this is what small groups do. I mean, we didn't plan this and have these messages coincide, but, but this is what you're doing. You're sitting in a room with people and you're like, what's Jesus teaching you? Well, he's doing this. What's he teaching you? I don't really know that I know the lesson. I feel like I'm in this weird middle space trying to do this. I feel like I should, but things, uh, I, I don't know. And then other people in the circle go, oh, I've been there before myself. And we share these stories and we're, we're growing in our faith. We're challenging one another and the things that we're learning, man, we're discipling each other. And here, here's the kicker. Okay, so that's inside the church. Outside the church, as we go throughout our day, in the supermarket, wherever, how do we make disciples out there? You simply tell people what Jesus is teaching you. If Jesus is teaching you how to control your anger and be more patient, be more calm. And you've got a coworker or somebody who's just like, boom, just fired up. You need to look at them in the eye and go, you need Jesus. <laughs> Forgiveness of sin, salvation, yes. But the other side of the coin, like Jesus will teach you how to control that anger. I promise you don't love the fact that you get angry. Kids, family, spouse, coworkers, they don't love that you get angry either. And Jesus will show you how. He's that good. And, and you start the conversation. And friends, this isn't, this isn't like a one and done thing. This, this is a process. Discipleship is a process. And Jesus goes, in, look, I could do this. I've got all power and authority, but I've chosen you to do it. It's for our good, our benefit, that we get to do this for other people. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I simply want to close in prayer, simply praying that we would take whatever Jesus is teaching us and we would go and teach others with it. So will you, will you bow your heads with me? Let's close our eyes and come before the Lord. Jesus, we come before you, and Lord, I just have to acknowledge the fact that People before me took this teaching and applied it to my life. And I'm here because someone looked at me and said, you need to be a disciple of Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for those individuals who invested into my life. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would paint a vivid picture of names, faces, and situations where we can go and do the same. There are people that are lost. 
not just far from you because of their sin, Lord. They are lost and they do not know what to do next. And Lord, would, we, would you give us the opportunity to have those conversations and point those people to Jesus? I pray, Lord, that for the, the insecurity that is in the room, for all those negative thoughts that include, well, if I do this, ah, I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, would you teach us how to be confident in you? And if you are leading us to do something, would we become the people, may we learn from you to become the people that act and step out in faith anyways, regardless of the end result. And I pray, Lord, I pray that this church, this community, Linden and beyond, that we would have spiritual conversations and people would begin to put their trust in you and would they learn from you and with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would we see life change. And years down the road, when family trees that were once broken are made whole, when relationships that have been torn apart, when those are mended and put back together, God, would we look back and give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise because of it, Lord. Father, we're not perfect. In fact, we're far from it. But Lord, we're willing. So use us. Speak to us this week, Lord. Give us divine opportunities, divine appointments with you and with other people who do not know you. And may we begin to make disciples of people. We need your help, Jesus. We pray this in your powerful and good name. And the church said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we close in one song of worship? Thank you.